0: and listen to the message that Pastor Walker preached last week. A very powerful message on sin and um, what sin does, but not just what sin does. I mean, he didn't just leave us there, right? Then he talked to us about Jesus and how Jesus came to break the power of sin. Amen? Amen. Because uh, I thought of of an illustration, and I'm just going to give that to you, and then we're going to move on to my message. But last, last week's message was 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 worth talking about, so go check it out. Uh, But the power of sin, the sin, the hold that sin has on people, it is a power. It's powerful. And I thought of an illustration that my um, uncle Jonathan gave one time. He said that that an airplane is bound to the earth by gravity, and until a force stronger than gravity takes over that airplane, it's bound to the earth. But there's another law, the law of jet propulsion. And that's what Jesus does to us. We're bound, we're, we're held down by the law of sin, but then we get a little bit of Jesus injected into us, and we can soar and fly. And I just wanted to add an addendum, not, not that I could add to his message, but man, that, that, that came to me, and that was, uh, it's not even my illustration, I stole it from my Uncle Jonathan, so. But it's good. I can say it's good because it's not mine, so. God's good. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark, uh, the 11th chapter. If you don't have your Bible, you can just read from the screen. Um, And he entered, this being Jesus. And Jesus has just ridden into Jerusalem on the donkey. This is Palm Sunday as we celebrate. Jesus has just ridden into Jerusalem. But I didn't want to read all of that to you, so, but I wanted to give you that background. This is what has just happened. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs and he said to it may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard it and they came to Jerusalem and entered the temple and began to drive and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And as they, passed by them, um, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Can't you hear the excitement in Peter's voice? This, this type of stuff excited Peter. He liked seeing this side of Jesus. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever ye ask in prayer, believe that ye have received it and it will be yours. We all love that. We all love that. But we, don't, we aren't too crazy about this. And whenever ye stand praying, forgive If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. Lord, we thank you for the word, Lord. I thank you for the Holy Scripture. Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look at it, God, that we will begin to see ways in which we can be more like you. God, that we will begin to see ways in which we can change things in our lives to line up with your life. God, that we will begin to see things in us that should not be in us. And Lord, we will uproot them and take them out. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. This week I saw a video clip on Twitter. I know that's not a good way to start a message. <laughs> on Twitter of a, of, a, of a mega pastor, of a mega church, with a mega following, and a mega TV Ministries, and a mega smile, <laughs> say something disheartening. And I, I was going to show the clip, but then I'm not, nah, not going to show that. I don't like to be that type of person that tries to run other people down. But I'll just, I'll just give you the, the quote. The quote went something like this. He said, if, if I was, brought my children up here on this stage and they had old clothes and old shoes, you would think I wasn't a very good father. And then he said, so God wants you to dress nice and to have nice things, to have a good career. God wants you to have good things, nice things. And that works in some contexts, but it doesn't work everywhere. Many of you have been to Haiti. You've been to third world countries. You have been places. And that type of preaching won't preach there. Because people there don't have shoes. People there don't have clothes. People there don't have, oh, another one. And if you have a nice place, he wants you to have a nice place to live. People there, where I stayed was in a house, somebody's house. And there were two rooms in the house. And it was um, cinder blocks like this. And then they had windows, but there were no windows in the windows. There was nothing in the windows. In fact, I, uh, a lizard was coming down at me in my cot or in my bed. Fortunately, I had some right guard spray, and I was able to fend him off with that. <laughs> then I was about out of right, right guard, and it's 90 degrees every day over there, and it got pretty hot. But there were two rooms, and they gave my uncle Jonathan and I the room with the beds. And then the 13 of them stayed in the other room. And, and, and when I heard that clip, and I, I, the scripture that came to my mind was Jesus cursing the fig tree. And I didn't really understand why until this morning when God, I felt like he showed me. Now, I don't know if he really did, but I felt like he did. So Jesus comes. He comes riding in on a donkey. We know that. He goes to the temple, and he looks around. It tells us that Jesus comes in on the donkey. He goes into the temple, and he looks around and sees everything that's going on. And then he leaves. And he goes to Bethany, stays in Bethany with his disciples. And then the next morning... Now, I'm going to fill in some blanks here. The next morning, Jesus is on his way to the temple to cleanse it. Jesus has been stewing all night about what he saw at the temple. The next morning, Jesus is on his way to the temple and he's hungry, and he sees a fig tree. He's mad that about what he saw last night. He's about ready to unleash fury <laughs> in the temple. And he goes to the fig tree, what's supposed to be giving life, what's supposed to be giving fruit, what's supposed to be giving substance, and there's nothing. And he curses it, and he moves on. The church is called to be life-giving, to produce fruit. The church is called to give hope where there's no hope. And I believe that we are, I'm jumping way ahead of my notes, so this is going to be a shambled mess, but I believe what we are seeing right now in the West, especially in the U.S., with a lot of the prosperity gospels and things like that, I believe we're seeing them dry up. I believe they've stopped producing fruit and the tree is starting to wither. Jesus said, to the Father, if you, if you stop, whatever is tied to me stops producing fruit, it will be cut off. And what is producing fruit is going to be pruned. My prayer is God, prune the river church. God, prune me. God, prune us. God, prune us. God, if we stop preaching the truth of the gospel, God, cut us off. I don't want to be a church that says things that aren't true to the gospel. I don't want to be a church that preaches a message that keeps the poor down. I mean, it's easy to sit in a, in a mansion and say, God wants you to have nice shoes. It's easy to sit in a church that holds 30,000 people and say, God, and, and, and don't, don't confuse what I'm saying. God loves you, God cares about you, God wants you to have good, God wants the best for you. But it's not material. It's not in material things. We talked a couple weeks ago about how true joy, true happiness doesn't come from that anyway. All right, I got ahead of myself. So Jesus stops for some figs. Now, I don't know about you. I've had fig Newtons before. It's like a stale jelly sandwich. I don't like fig Newtons. I mean, the fig in my mind is cursed before Jesus ever shows up. <laughs> and maybe you like figs and that's fine. You know, you're entitled to like your figs. I don't. But anyway, Jesus is, is hungry and he wants, he sees a fig tree and he's on a mission. He's on his way to the temple. We don't get to see this Jesus very often. <laughs> Pastor Walker last week opened up with a, with a scripture and said, you won't see this on a cross-stitched on a pillow at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> we well, don't see Jesus cursing the fig tree very often. And you don't see Jesus kicking people out of the temple, out of God's house very often either. Can you imagine if you came into church this morning, And somebody was up here kicking things over. We don't need these drums. (laughs) (laughs) Call the police. (laughs) But Jesus was on his way to the temple to expose principalities and powers and to make a show of them openly. See, we, 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 we hear that scripture a lot, and we think that, oh, that's just talking about the nether region, and, and that's talking. Well, the God of this world has a system in place, and Jesus was exposing that. So Jesus is, and again, I'm feeling this is not in your Bible, but this is just me interpreting it. He goes in the temple the night before, looks around, leaves, Comes back the next day and is on a mission to do some work. He's hungry. The fig tree won't produce. He comes into the temple. He makes a scene, really. There's feathers flying everywhere. There's goats. Whatever goats do. Is it bleeding? Is that what they do? Or is that sheep that bleeds? Sheep. Bah. All the South Park kids know about that. AC and Baba. And so Jesus goes to the temple, he makes a scene, there's coins flying, there's money flying everywhere, turtle doves, goats. He says, This isn't right. He says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, all people. And listen to Matthew's account of this same instance, Matthew 21, 12 through 14. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned tablets of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, is it written, or it is written. (laughs) I'd completely changed it. (laughs) Turned a declarative into an interrogative. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. And here's what I want to focus on. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Amen. Yes. The casual reader of scripture will not understand that the blind and the lame are not allowed in the temple. You can't come into the temple if you're lame, you can't come into the temple if you're blind. You can't even come into the temple, according to Leviticus, if you have a flat nose. Jesus came to do away with that. Jesus brought everybody in. Jesus come in, came in and he, brings, he opens. Jesus' violence, and, and this is an important point. Jesus' anger and Jesus' violence, because we do see it in Scripture. Yeah. Let's not ignore it. We love to talk, I mean, I love to talk about Jesus, and he's, he's the prince of peace, and Jesus has come to bring peace, and, 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 but he, he, has, he sometimes exhibits violence and anger. But his violence and anger always is for the inclusion of the excluded. Jesus' violence and his anger is always to, for the inclusion of the excluded. He says to the Pharisees, you devour widows' houses. When you see Jesus getting angry, it's because there's people trying to keep other people out. And Jesus' frustration with you and with me is when we try to keep other people out. When we try to judge and become the judge, jury, executioner, we try to say who should come in and who should come out. This is the house of the Lord, not my house. I don't get to set the guest list. What I'm called to do is invite people to come in. I don't set the guest list. I don't say, whoa, wait a minute. I'm just looking through your Facebook here. It doesn't look like you belong in church. It's like your Facebook might need saved. I know that's a joke I use all the time. We don't get to set the guest list, and neither did the Pharisees. The Pharisee, Pharisees thought they could, and they thought that they were the high and mighty. All right. So I want to pull a couple things about um, a, a, a couple things out of this story today, and then we'll be done. I I ran into somebody. I went to Joe's Kansas City Barbecue last night. Took the family there. The Lord was in the play in that house. I'll tell you. I mean, the brisket. I had the. I think I had the Z-Man with the onion ring, and then, of course, the great thing about my family is most everybody else couldn't finish theirs, so (laughs) dad got to dad got to come clean up. But anyway, I saw I saw uh, some church members there. And uh, get to talk to them a little bit, and on the way out, they said, hey, keep it short tomorrow, because the Raiders are playing, even though the Chiefs aren't, so. But that'll be the Raiders and the Chiefs next week, so hopefully the Raiders win today so that it'll be a, for first place next week, but anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I'm going try to try not to go too long because I don't want to get anybody upset. <laughs> uh, just real quick, though, the, uh, where Jesus says, okay, so, so Peter's like, hey, look, this fig tree dried up. You cursed it and it dried up. Peter's excited about that. Peter wants that kind of power, the power to curse things. Well, Jesus never told us, Jesus cursed the fig tree, but he didn't ever tell us to curse a fig tree. He didn't tell us to curse anything. But Peter gets real excited and Jesus says, if you say to this mountain, and I read a commentator this week who said that he believes and that he thinks evidence points to that Jesus was gesturing toward the mount, the temple mount. When he said, if you speak to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and you believe in your heart that it will be because that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was taking down the structures that held down the marginalized. He was taking down the structures that held down the poor, the weak. It was, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Low places will be made high. The high places will be made low. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. You heard that as a kid, right? Every time you try to line up for lunch at school. I was always trying to fight to be the First. I remember my Aunt June, like, well, you know, the Lord says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I didn't care. I was hungry. Wanted some corn and government cheese. I'm just... (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. God is good. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. That That is what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you go into a place and they try to give you the seat of honor, don't take it. Give that up. Because, if, because Jesus came to turn the world upside down. And that's what he's asked us to do. And, and this commentator believed that Jesus was specifically speaking of the Temple Mount, speaking of the system that says certain people, the privileged are the only ones who could come. Jesus was gesturing toward the system that he had just started a firestorm with. When, he, when Jesus, it says that when he turned over the, the tables, that then they sought to kill him. Jesus started a firestorm that would end with his arrest, his death, his burial, his resurrection, which would once and for all destroy the system of sacrifice, of, a, of exclusion, and of privilege. The system that had women as second-class citizens... Jesus came and destroyed that system. And now Paul says that in Christ, there's neither male nor female, bond nor free. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are captive, not only to sin, but to systems that keep them down. And as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought not try to exploit and abuse the downtrodden, or we'll end up just like the fig tree and we'll wither and die. And that's what I'm afraid a lot of churches are doing. They're trying to exploit the vulnerable. They're trying to exploit the poor. They're saying, if you sow your seed of $1,000, write me that check, whether you can cover it or not. Yeah. You think I'm kidding? Watch, watch Christian TV. That's exploitation. And that's, I believe, the kind of thing that will wither and die. Our church and our lives should produce in us and in those we touch a freedom from their burdens, not putting more burdens on people. Fig trees are going to wither and die. And I believe that we are seeing it. In John 15 too, I already referenced this, that he cuts off the branches that bear no fruit and he prunes those that do so they will produce more fruit. And that's my prayer for the river church as God prune us, God, make us produce fruit. Make us be a church that produces fruit. Make us be a church that preaches the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So my first point I wanted to take out of that was that Jesus' anger and violence is always used to make room for the poor. Because Jesus does, and like I mentioned, Jesus does get upset sometimes. But he doesn't get upset. Jesus never gets upset when he's being hurt. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't get upset uh, and, and violent when they <laughs> <laughs> Jesus doesn't get upset and violent when they're abusing him. Right. Jesus doesn't get upset and violent when they're putting a crown of thorns on his head. He doesn't get upset and violent when they're tying him to the whipping post. He doesn't get upset and violent when they're nailing him to the cross. And if we want to be like Jesus, we'll save our rage for when we see others being mistreated. We will save that for when we see it happening to someone else. I want to be like Jesus. I mean, I want to be. I don't always succeed. I don't always succeed. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I try to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus saved his anger for when other people were being abused. Not him. So don't be the type of person that says, well, they messed with the wrong person now. Or they shouldn't have said that to me. Save your anger. Because Jesus says we're to be angry and sin not. He tells us. He does suggest at least that it's okay to be angry as long as you don't sin. But don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's what Paul tells us. And don't live in a state of anger. Things are going to happen to you. Things are gonna, you're going to see things happen that will bring anger out of you. But let it be to free others. Use that to channel, to free others, and to set others free and not to just worry about yourself. Okay, and this next point that I want to pull out of here. And I know, and I don't know why I'm supposed to talk about this today, but I couldn't get away from it because I talk, it seems like we talk about this all the time. I talk about this all the time, but maybe there's somebody here today that needs to hear it. The second thing is that Jesus sees you when no one else does. The sick and the lame had no place in the temple, but Jesus brought them in. And Jesus sees you when nobody else sees you. Have you ever felt invisible? Have you ever been somewhere and you just felt like if I wasn't here, no one would know? Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you when nobody else sees you. Jesus invites you in when no one else will invite you in. Jesus brings the sick and the lame into the temple. Jesus knows the real you. And not the you that you pretend to be in front of your friends, young people. Not the you that your family says you are. Not the you that society says that you are or should be. He sees the real you, the one that he created you to be. Not the you that you have been in your worst moments. Because we've all had bad moments, right? And then we do that self-talk where we talk bad about ourselves to ourselves and tell ourselves how bad we are, right? That's not what God sees when he looks at you. God, when, when I, and I've used this illustration before, when I look at my kids, I don't see spilled milk. I don't see wrecked cars I don't see, I don't see the, the things they've done. I don't see mistakes. That's not what I see when I look at my kids. I, when I look at my kids, I see potential. When I look at my children, I see in them the potential of who they can be and who they are. I don't see all that other stuff that we worry about. And when God looks at you, He does not see your worst mistake. When God looks at you, He does not see your shortcomings, your failings. He does not see what you see, what others see, what others have said about you. When God looks at you, He sees the best version of you that He created. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. He knows where you've been and what you've done. But He loves you. I used to say things all the time, I'd follow up something like that with, and he wants to save you. And, and yes, I do believe that God wants to save everyone. But you're going to have to forgive me. Uh, spoiler alert if, you've seen the mo- if you haven't seen the movie Titanic yet. Um. <laughs> but the boat does sink. Um. <laughs> but as I was thinking about about this, and I actually put that in my notes. God wants to save you. And then I thought, sometimes when we think about God as saving us, we think about him as the captain of a, of a vessel coming and picking people up out of the water. <laughs> Stop laughing, Isaac. You're gonna make me laugh. But God wants to save us in a different way. God saves us in a different way. And forgive me for the comparison that I'm just getting ready to make. God's more like Jack. In the water with Rose. I mean, why couldn't she scoot over just a little bit on the board? Does she need the whole door or whatever that she's floating on? Anyway. She keeps the diamond. She takes the... Forgive me, Lord. But Jack was in the water with her, he was in the storm with her. He took the cold so she didn't have to. He, he saved her by taking the storm, by taking the cold. And he died so she could live. Now, I know that's a stretch. But Jesus is in the storm with us. Jesus isn't just in a boat driving by saying, Oh, yep, another one saved, another one saved, another one saved. No, Jesus is in the storm with you. He's in the water with you. And when you're struggling, He's right there with you. He feels what you feel. The writer of Hebrews tells us that. And right there in your storm, He takes your burden, He takes it off of your shoulders. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all you who labor and are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus takes the storm, takes the cold, and then he dies so that we don't have to. Because even when someday some of us will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be there with us. And he has conquered death because he went and defeated death from the inside out. He defeated death by death. He conquered death by death. And then he rose again. And if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, it will quicken our bodies. And then someday because he rose, we will rise. Amen? Amen. God wants to save you, but not in just throwing out out a, a life preserver to you and throwing you in the back of the boat. He wants to save you. He wants to get in the water with you. Experience life with you. And then save you through that life. And then save you into everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Now I can't get the stupid song out of my head, the Titanic song. <laughs> Jesus conquered death by death. The God who knows you and the God who loves you wants to do life together with you, He wants to share life. With you, He doesn't just want to save you. He wants to do life with you. That's the God that we serve. Amen. Jesus says in uh, Revelation, I think it's the second chapter. You might check that and then let me know. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. He's knocking this morning. He's knocking on your heart. He's knocking on mine. He stands at the door and he knocks. And we have to hear his voice. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to enter into a time of communion.